Welcome to Out of Game Episode 25. In today's episode, we discuss nuclear winter game mutations, give a mini-review of Sheriff of Nottingham, and discuss introvert versus extrovert gamers. This is your host, Ryan. Join me, Chris, and Tim as we go Out of Game. Hello, listeners. Future Ryan here. Well, you might have noticed if you're at Gen Con, in the inside of the back cover of the Gen Con program, there was a Dice Tower Network Cool Stuff Inc. contest, and our logo was on that page. So maybe you're here just because you saw that ad and you've never actually listened to our podcast. And you might be thinking, uh, they're probably going to make me wait and listen to an entire episode before I can get details on the contest. Well, we're not going to do that. Here's how the contest is going to work. The Out of Game podcast and a lot of other podcasts in the Dice Tower Network are each doing individual contests for $50 gift cards to Cool Stuff, Inc. The winner of our contest and all the other Dice Tower Network individual contests will be entered into a drawing. And one lucky winner will be pulled and win a $1,000 gift card to Cool Stuff, Inc. So... Your odds are pretty good by entering our contest because I know that we don't have as many listeners as a lot of other Dice Tower Network members. So if you're here, maybe you're trying to game the system and win on a podcast that has a smaller amount of listeners, and we're totally cool with that. But here's what you need to do to enter our contest. So in our show, we do a segment called Table Talk, and the focus of our podcast is really about this segment where we have a discussion topic, and that topic usually takes up around half of our show. So we're more focused on doing the discussions than doing reviews and other things. We do reviews, but the discussion is the, is the main focus. So we're looking for topic ideas for our Table Talk segment. What we'd like you to do is go out and join our guild. Our guild is 1990. It's called Out of Game. You can get to it easily by going to our website, which is outofgamepodcast.com and just clicking the Board Game Geek guy there. Uh, That will take you to our guild. Join our guild. Find the thread that's called Table Talk Topic Ideas and just post a topic idea in that thread. That's all you need to do to enter our contest. Um, Each person can have a single entry and then we will draw randomly at the end of the contest to determine the winner. The deadline for our contest is Tuesday, August 30th at 11.59 p.m. CST. Again, if you'd like to win a $50 gift card to Cool Stuff, Inc. from Out of Game, go to the Board Game Geek Guild 1990, join our guild, post a topic idea in the Table Talk Topic Ideas thread, That will give you an entry into our contest. And then one lucky winner from the Dice Tower Network will be drawn from all the Dice Tower Network contest winners for a $1,000 gift card to Cool Stuff, Inc. I think your chances are pretty good if you enter our contest of getting into the $1,000 contest. And even if you win ours and don't win the $1,000, it's $50 of Cool Stuff, Inc. Who wouldn't want that? Anyways, we hope out of respect that if you are here just for the contest that maybe you'll stick around and listen to the episode and see if you like it. If not, that's okay too, but we'd love for you to listen anyways. Thanks for listening and let's get to the show. Welcome to episode 25 of out of game. This is Ryan. This is Chris. And this is Tim. And 
We're a podcast about board games. With the Rob Zombie intro. <laughs> That's true. I wonder if Rob Zombie plays board games. He might. He probably plays Dead of Winter. You know, we don't usually... <laughs> Be a good I mean, choice. About it. I mean, yeah. Rob Zombie. We don't usually do interviews, but if we could get Rob Zombie on the show, I- I'd be willing to do an interview. Oh, that would oh, be, be great. But then he might make us stop using his song as our intro. I w- no, you can't. You can't do that. I think if, if it's under 30 seconds or so, there's like some limit. I think we're pushing past 30 seconds. Shut up. It was 30 seconds. I mean, 29.999. Rob Zombie, Tulane Blacktop. This episode, we're going to be talking about introvert versus extrovert gamers, a topic that we may or may not have discussed before. We don't quite remember. Maybe it's in the lost in the ether somewhere with another episode that we may or may not have recorded accidentally and lost something like that. Lost. It's 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 a lost episode. It's on an island somewhere in purgatory. It's in the storage locker with all Orion's other games. (laughs) On an island or in purgatory? (laughs) On both. You know, it's it's in one of those places. But before we talk about that, let's jump into the spawn point. Spawn point. So, Chris, I hear you have nothing on the spawn point. I have nothing on the spawn point. I've been doing nothing gaming-wise lately. Wow. I got nothing. Actually, you know what? I did play a video game called Witcher 3, recommended by our friend John. Okay. It's pretty good. You know what's interesting is... I will be talking about Witcher 3 later in the podcast. Weird. What? I'll be referring to it. Did you know there's a Witcher board game? Is it good? No. It, <laughs> it came, out, came out a couple of years ago, and it was like a big, hot game with a lot of buzz. And then it, Because the video game is yeah, hot. Yeah, and then it turned out to be a dud. Yeah. Video games don't Thanks translate for that to nugget. board games. You're welcome. That's what I'm here for. Nuggets of wisdom. Oh, board game nuggets. That should be a, that could be a podcast. Board game it nuggets? Board, board game, game nuggets. nuggets. I'll little sheer chicken nuggets. That's be better than the chicken nuggets I had at BGG Con. <laughs> All right, Tim. Well, thank, thanks for that swan boy. Doesn't it fascinating? That's amazing. Flows <laughs> lots of material there. Had to edit some of that out. So, Tim, how about you? Uh, yeah, I'm getting, I got an opportunity to fly some Imperials against my brother this time. We're doing a little switch up. So oh. he kind of took my uh, <laughs> my fleet that I discussed last month. Yeah. So that he like kind of knew what you know uh-huh. what I had done to him with it. So uh, I was flying some TIE Defenders from the new set that came out, the Glaive Squadron guys. I'm and, pretty sure uh, I know how the story ends. Threw Veteran Instincts on there with the TIE X7 and uh, was flying those around. Those things are friggin' amazing. Yeah. No red turns, white K turns, awesome ship. Okay. Drop it on there. The, the TIE X7 gives you evade icons when you do a three, four, or five maneuver, which is, can be a little predictable, okay. but still, amazing ship. And then also during this game... Because I'm trying to keep my brother interested, so I actually have somebody to play. I was kind of like trying to tutelage him while he's doing things. So like when he would make a move, I'd be like, "Well, I would have done this," just to kind of tell him. And then found out that one of the reasons he's really not doing good is he just forgets to do things. Yeah. So he was flying my YV build with Bosk and uh, Dengar on board, and what Dengar does is he lets you re-roll some dice. Okay. And he would attack. He'd roll, you know, like two blanks and two hits, and then he'd be like, two hits. I'm like, Dengar and the John? Is he busy making uh, some mashed potatoes? What's going on? He's like, oh, yeah. And he'd pick up his dice and re-roll them. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, this is why you're losing. You're forgetting, like, these, these important things. And then he would, like, do something, and he would have on um, something that would give an extra evade die. And he would, he would roll his normal evade die amount. And I'm like, uh 
You want to use that card you paid for? <laughs> Roll an extra die? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, this is stuff that I'm normally, like, not paying attention to because I'm focusing on... Is this Jim we're talking yeah, about? Yeah, this is Jim we're talking about. I think he just... He, he he's gets, got his mind on something else. Yeah, yeah. he's got his mind. You know, and he, and you know, we've played games with him before. He's the guy that he takes his turn. As soon as his turn's done, he gets up and walks away. <laughs> and then you're like, get around the main board and you're like, uh, Jim, your turn. And then he'll come back and take his turn. Oh, so he's God. missed what everybody else has done. That would drive me crazy. Um, so I was trying to like... Chris is actually considering that now. He's like, hey, that's not a bad yeah. idea. <laughs> no, that was an option. <laughs> so yeah, so I, I, was, I was trying to like pay attention to his turn as well and just kind of like, uh, you didn't do this, you didn't do this, you didn't do this, why are you not doing that? And, you know, even with tactic-wise, I'm like, because I, I noticed that a lot of things I'm doing is I'm, I'm getting my ships in his way and he's bumping me and that means he's losing his action and then all his other ships just bump, 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 so he look, loses four ships' actions. Okay. And then, of course, I bumped him, which I planned on doing and now he's lined up perfectly for me to just lay into him. So uh, trying to work through that a little bit to kind of just be like, look, your big problem is you're, you're forgetting actions. Yeah. You're forgetting to do things. You, you got, you paid points for this guy to re-roll your stuff for you and he's just out on vacay. So hopefully, um, you still want He was, he was actually, yeah. <laughs> he, <laughs> he was actually pretty happy though. Cause at the end of the night, there's, it was, now. it was a lot closer. He's it was a new hope. It was, it was a will. new hope. So, um, I think this next time we get together, I'm supposed to play his squad, and he's supposed to play my squad verbatim. So he's going to be playing my um, my scum fleet, and I'm going to be playing his imperial fleet verbatim as is. So he should know what my stuff does, and I know what his stuff does, and then we'll we'll see how that goes. Maybe he needs to keep playing the same squad over and over and over so he remembers what they do. He gets bored with that. That's the problem. Yeah. Is that he? He's, that's one of the things he says that he can never do the tournament scene because he would shoot himself if he had to play the same squad 200 times. Okay. So uh, part of that's there. I, I think what he needs to do is only have a couple couple main ships where he's got special stuff on and then have a bunch of generics. So these ships, they fly, they point, they shoot, nothing funky. And then you got your one really cool ship or two really cool ships that, okay, this guy's got Dengar, he gets re-rolls, this guy's got auto thrusters, he gets the extra of a die, and try to narrow down the amount of special effects that happen. So, what's on your book? For I don't have day? a ton this time. Wow! But I had some interesting things I heard on the Dice Tower podcast that I wanted to share with you guys. Uh, the first is quite interesting for our group. So, the Dice Tower did a survey, and the number one most annoying thing—that was what came out of the survey. The number one most annoying thing to gamers is analysis paralysis which is Chris's number one. I can see that. Now, here's where it becomes interesting. The number two most annoying thing is being on your phone all the time. That is very annoying. I will, I will put that above analysis I actually paralysis. agree with that. So in Chris's case, he gets annoyed with the people that have analysis paralysis, and then he subsequently annoys everybody no, else. No, I agree with by getting on being phone. number two. I think that's wrong to do. When I do that, you don't have to repeat anything to me. I'm still paying attention to what's going on. Right. I mean, you could quiz me when I'm on the phone. If I'm doing something on the phone because you're anal- overanalyzing, I'm not really going to miss anything. Unless you're texting things to other people in the game. Yeah, that's yeah, been known that's, to happen. Yes, that you, has been. You guys ruined the punchline of my... <laughs> oh, my, we missed it. Okay. My comic anecdote. Oh, it's, it's, it's over now. That's over. Yeah, oh, we missed it? It was what? supposed to be kind of like the, like the Jerry Seinfeld 
like number one fear is talking in public and number two is dying. So the, the, the average person would rather at a funeral be in the casket than giving the eulogy. That was like the point of my anecdote, but it good. was interrupted. You, you made up for it with the jerk. <laughs> so I guess I'll just leave it at that. What's number three? No, I didn't, I didn't have number three. My whole point was all focused on Chris because everyone annoys Chris and then he annoys everyone else in return. This, this is true. Yeah. So the number one and two most annoying things, according to the Dice Tower survey, which is a very official source of surveys. interested in make that we should make that list the second dice tower factoid that i have here that i heard on their podcast so remember our one of my new year's resolutions was for the podcast our podcast to reach a thousand downloads per episode Mm -hmm. so apparently the dice tower has fifty thousand downloads per episode fifty thousand that is fifty times more than our goal for the year well there are the dice tower how long have they been around uh, they've been around uh, maybe like five years, yeah. five or six years. Now, what's interesting is, according to what I heard, when Eric Summer, their current co-host with Tom, came on the show, they were only getting 5000 per episode. So since he joined the show, which was around, I think it was around episode 150, they went from 5000 to 50000 So you're saying Eric is the big draw. Well, maybe. he's got the voice. Yeah. Well, and you got Chris here. He's the voice. Uh, yeah. Not we've, even close we've, to that guy. We've he's he's that. got the voice. The Prophet wants a, a <laughs> spinoff podcast just of you, Chris. It is the voice. <laughs> to help him sleep at night. <laughs> Not to help him stay awake. It's easy to sleep to a soothing voice. It's like to- listening to Marvin Gaye. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Now, you know what? That's not a comparison that bothers me. Chris, That's cool. It's a Marvin Gaye of podcasting. There you go. I'll take that. Done. So I just found that interesting. So, I don't know, maybe in five years we'll have 50,000 downloads per episode. Probably only if you start doing two a week. Oh, yeah. Well, one a week. Oh, least. well, one every two yeah. weeks. <laughs> well, They'll the profit demands that. it. And lastly, this is not related to the Dice Tower. This is just related to me and my acquisition disorder. I got my Kickstarter edition of Scythe. Scythe, I don't know if you guys remember, but I mentioned it as my most anticipated game of this year. This is a game I backed on Kickstarter. It's shipped early, which is really odd. Most Kickstarters ship late. It actually shipped early. This is from Stonemaier Games. They're known for having really running really good Kickstarters. This game looks amazing. I opened this thing today. It has amazing miniatures, components. The art, bar none, is the best art of any game that I have or have seen. Because it's, it's by like wow. an... That's saying a lot there. I think he found... I think he he found an artist who like was actually like selling art. It was like, can I use that art in a game? It's like this alternate World War II Europa history art. Uh, it's really hard to explain. You have to look at it. The, the artist's name is Jacob Rosalski, but it's the artwork is amazing. Like every card has different unique art. The board is cool. The box cover it's just great. So I think I'm going to be playing this Saturday. By the way, are you coming uh, Saturday? I was going to click maybe. Okay, so I'm hoping to play this on Saturday, and it's a 4X game. Uh, 4X game, exploit, explore, exploit, exterminate, and ex- exfoliate. Span, <laughs> exfoliate. W- wouldn't that be 4E? It's yeah, but they call it 4X. That doesn't make any sense. I know. I'm against that already. The second letters. There's X. X's in there. Yeah, come on. Well, at least it's not a 3X game. That's a different podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, hoping to play it Saturday so I know the rules. If it's good enough, I'll be bringing it. So you'll be reading game. those rules. I'm learning the, the rules days. from a video. Watch it played. Thank you, Rodney Smith. Does amazing tutorial videos. He got paid to do one for this game. Nice. So 
And another guy in my Saturday group also got the game, so is learning the rules. So we're we're definitely playing it on Saturday. Uh, hopefully, it's as good as people are saying because it looks great. That's all I had. Spawn point. Wow. Spawn point. Uh, I guess it's time for a listener question. I guess so. Listener question. We have two listener questions this time. Question number one from John Parker. Since I just found your podcast, as a result of it now appearing on the Dice Tower Network, uh, disclaimer. Some of our questions are a little old. I was going to say, this has got to be old. We probably need to get through these a little quicker. My question is related to that change. What what also made me think of this question was the comment in episode 16 <clears throat> about, reading, about needing to have a separate feed for game night recordings, if you do them, because of the profanity. I don't quite remember that discussion. I remember this. I do so remember this. We were talking about the RPG game. Oh, and we're starting how up we, Right, and how we record them. You know, we record right. the RPGs. They're, they're interesting to re-listen to, but they're not for wide release because, you know, there's cursing and there's some dark things that happen in-game that could be taken out of context and et cetera, et cetera. We're not swearing up a storm or anything. No, it's oh, just, no, no. It's no, just no. one of those things that, you know, you got to be a little sensitive about that. Right. It's not family-friendly. Yes. Question. Do you feel... Like you have to make any changes to your podcast now that it is on the Dice Tower. If so, why? Increase in listeners, change in listener demographics, because it's the Dice Tower in quotes. If not, is it because you were intentionally gearing your podcast for a spot on the Dice Tower network? This is an interesting question. This is, uh, I brought up Witcher earlier. Yeah. So there's a problem with Witcher on a lot of the forums and that there's some scenes on there that they're sexually explicit, as a lot of video games are now. And people who have their families, you know, their, their wives or daughters in the room, they want a, the option to skip those scenes. And the game, it's, it's like, you know, no, this is the game. They want that. It's like in the true form of the art and, and all that stuff, how they, they don't want you to, to have it be optional. And it's a controversial thing. There's a lot of heated debate on both sides of that. I just, the question made me think of that because if we're on the dice tower, do you start changing the way you make your podcast just because you have a, a different listening audience and it's more, you know, you, you don't want to maybe alienate certain people or, or whatever. And I think for us, I mean, I don't want to speak for you guys, but we haven't really changed much. I mean, the one thing that I would say that we do differently is we listen to feedback more early on. Well, part of it is because we have more feedback, right? I mean, early on, we didn't have as many listeners, obviously. And so the feedback, it was few and far between. And honestly, Ryan who put the show together, I mean, he he kind of ignored it, a lot of it, and rightly so, because you had a vision of what you wanted to do, and you were going to stick to it. It wasn't until the listenership grew and people started chiming in more that we really started listening to it. And we, and we do, and we still do. Uh, it's important to hear, you know, when you hear things like, you know, your audio equipment is, is a little subpar, things like that you have to take, because if, you're, if they can't listen to your show, they're what's the point yeah so we invested in some equipment and ryan made some decisions along that direction but once you quote unquote made it and we're on the network you have to respect the wind direction a little bit of the the people that are chiming in other than that i don't think we've changed much i mean we're all very unfiltered and i think that's one of the things that makes our show different is we're a little bit open and you know we'll get on tangents and things like that it's a little more organic than a lot of the other shows but for the most part you know we're going to be honest we don't like a game yeah. Orion has disagreed with Tom Vassell multiple times. He's not shy about that. It's his network. So we're going to say it like it is. I think the one issue where we could run into a conflict is if somebody gives us a game to review and they donate a game to us, and if we don't like the game. So like for me, 
I just won't talk at all about it then. Like, you don't want to say anything bad about a game that was given you for free. If we like it, you can say something good about it. But we're not going to say we like it when we don't. So that gets a little dicey because a lot of people are generous and they give us games to either for contests or to review. And you you want to be honest, right? But at the same time, you want to respect the donation. So I don't know. Interesting question. But I think overall, I don't think we've changed much. Well, Tim, you've been listening to the podcast since the beginning. Yeah. Uh, do you have any observations? Yeah, no, I think I don't think anything's changed since getting on the Dice Tower. You, it was you guys have been kind of continuing to do what you were doing to start with, and I, I don't even remember when I joined. And nothing's really changed. We're kind of keeping the same thing, trying to pick topics, and obviously we're trying to stick more to some board gaming things and try to get those up. But I think the tangents are just part of our show. You know, we're all big gamers we're we're big into other genres you know either whether it be star wars lord of the rings a lot of those other tangential things fill in and they they link with board games i mean a lot of board games are made from these types of things too so i think it's just it's a very organic thing and we just kind of go with it yep so from the beginning even when i first conceptualized the podcast it was always with the objective of one day potentially join the Dice Tower Network. That, that's where the whole fake it till we make it segment came from because we were trying to get on and it was kind of a joke to us because I don't know, honestly, if I ever really believed we would get on it. I, I just knew that we would try. You know, fortunately we did, we did get on, but because I designed it from that, I knew I had emailed Tom a long time ago, like what are the guidelines for just a podcast being on your network? And I had that email kind of saved in my email and I, I use those guidelines from the beginning and they're very straightforward. I mean, the main, really the main guideline he has is that it's family friendly, which we always are. And I think the second one was just that it was mostly about board games, you know, cause it's a board game network. And there's some other things about the amount of episodes and that sort of thing, but there's not much else. And, but we did kind of design it with those guidelines in mind when we, when we first created it. So when we joined, I think, Changes that have happened, we, we have to mention that we're on the Dice Tower Network, because we are. And I would do that anyways, even if that wasn't a guideline, because I'm proud that it's we're on the Dice thing. Tower Network. Right. Yeah. Kind of have to pander to Tom Vassell. Not really, but we love you, Tom. You're the best. And everything else is is fair game. I think, like Chris said, if we don't like something like a game or whatever, we can say that. Uh, I wanted to comment on uh, what Chris said about getting, if we get like a free copy of a game or something. What I've heard from publishers, like on other podcasts, is any feedback on a game, like any media feedback, good or bad, is still better than nothing. So we've not yet received a review copy that we didn't like, so we haven't had to do this. But I feel like we w- we should still review a game, or at least discuss it. Maybe not maybe not spotlight review it, but discuss it at least and be honest about it. We would never be dishonest about it. Right. That's that's not genuine and we would not we would right. never do that. But we'll have to decide if if this time comes if we're going to say nothing or just give our honest opinion of the game. Cuz I think most games there's always something positive in the game that you can bring out and a lot of times just describing the game even though it may not be fit our taste other people might be interested in our description of the game even though it's something we didn't like. Like for example, Chris doesn't like in 5 Tribes how you you can like optimize your moves, but other people might love that. Like even though Chris is saying he doesn't like that, they're hearing oh you you can optimize your moves. Like that might make people excited. So I don't know. 
We'll see when if we'll when see. that time comes. Then our good friend Dennis Hoyle from Bellwether say, Games. Would you like me to read that one and give your voice a break? Sure. All right, Dennis Hoyle. There is a nuclear winner. You were holed up in a bunker for six months. When you come out and find one of your favorite games was left out and mutated into something much better. What game is it, and what did it mutate into? Chris. Well, <laughs> you might agree with me on this one. First of all, I kind of like this question. It's different. It's, it's one of my it's, favorites. It's kinda, yeah, that's received, a good one. Actually. Code Names is the game. Oh, oh wow. Your fa- one of your favorite games, huh? Yeah, Code Names <laughs> would morph did you, into... Did you see the part where it said favorite games? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a favorite. I'd love to hate it. I mean, because I still play the game. You notice that. Yeah. That's true. But, true. I mean, you sort of came around last time with, with my view a little bit, I remember. Which, which view was that? This you, is you're, talking, you're talking about the luck thing? Of events. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I never came around. You did a little bit last game. Maybe you forgot what happened. No, I mean, I, I agree that there's the whole, you know, you're, you're going to guess, but it's an informed guess. So We're not going down there again. Yeah. So the, the game morphs into a psychotic Terminator-like robot. What? Except instead of focusing on one person like Sarah Connor to kill, this version, this morphed version of Codenames randomly kills people so what it does is it will approach you it'll give you a, a word and a number like breakfast one and then your options are like uh, toast cheerios and egg mcmuffin and two of those are going to kill you and one of them's not and if you don't pick the right one you're dead then after it kills you it goes on to the next person and repeats a similar luck-based question egg mcmuffin and cheerios is the obvious answer well it said one no you pick one so you just died <laughs> But breakfast one. Oh, you just pick two, so you're dead. And it's not because <laughs> you are flawed in any way. It's not because you don't know how to play the game. You just got unlucky. But you sure. didn't turn over the right card. But egg McMuffins are only served at breakfast. No, not necessarily at McDonald's. And some of them they offer them past noon. I've seen it. The egg McMuffins they do these days. It's a beautiful right? thing. Hmm. Anyway, so that's my answer to the question. <laughs> Somehow. Uh... Tim, how about you? So I don't know a, how that was much better. You're now dead. A psychotic, what was it? A uh, Terminator-like robot. A psychotic the nuclear. The nuclear war turned this game into a killing machine. Okay. But it's not targeting specific people. It's throwing words and numbers at you randomly and giving <laughs> you options. And you die if you don't get the right one. Uh, Tim, what does your game wow. mutate into? Wow. So I, uh, I picked Hero Quest. Oh. And well, it mutated into True Dungeon. Ooh. So now, all of a sudden, all these adventures are like True Dungeon style. And now instead of playing these little pieces, you are the piece. And you got your sword and you get your treasure. And you keep going through real True Dungeon adventures instead of playing it on a game board. <laughs> oh, yeah. True Dungeon. True Dungeon Hero Quest. Nice. So I also missed the word favorite until just now, and I don't have time to rework my answer. Wow. So my game would be Dominion. So have you, have you guys all played Dominion? Yeah, yes, I, I like Dominion. So Dominion would mutate into a tableau builder instead of a deck builder with good artwork and distinguishable theme and little to no shuffling. My answer is pretty boring compared to both <laughs> of yours. Your guys' answers oh. were a lot more normal. Yeah. <laughs> well, yours pretty... was really normal. <laughs> You just mutated one game into another game. Tim's morphed into something kind of spectacular. I took the nuclear energy and converted game pieces into reality. Yeah. Yeah. My my the nuclear war in my world was 
like a minimal, there's minimal nuclear activity. This is like, a, you know, they, they like turned on the microwave kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, they turned on the microwave. It was like a 1990s microwave. Did not, and the door wasn't on the front. And, the, you know, the while the microwave was on, the Wi-Fi wasn't working inside the bunker, by the way. Wow. Because it's on the same channel. It was kind of annoying. Neither would the phone. The phone wasn't working. The, the cordless phone. People All right. have those. So, Dennis, thanks for the question. Uh, we might have about 15 more questions from Dennis. So, Better the, start queuing them up. Yeah, the Dennis Hoyle episode. This is good. I mean, that, that's become, a great question. It was a very good question. He actually just sent that one in, and I told him we're going to use that right away because <laughs> it was such a good question. He has a lot of other good ones, too. But that'll be uh, for future episodes. You know, now that we've tamed Chris's psychotic killing machine of code names. It's time to tame the werewolf. Tame the werewolf. Sit, Ubu, sit. Good dog. So it's been a while since we've tamed the werewolf, and this episode we'll be taming the werewolf known as Sheriff of Nottingham. There you go. The people, you're, it's not really werewolf, so we're okay. <laughs> I, thought, I thought Sheriff of Nottingham still kind of fits in this category, social deduction. It's, it's borderline. It's though, borderline. Right? But, you know, we want to keep the segment alive. So we've played, had a chance to play uh, Sheriff of Nottingham a few times and wanted to discuss. So first of all, let me give a brief description and you guys can jump in when I start rambling of Sheriff of Nottingham. All right, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> sheriff of Nottingham. Every round, someone is the Sheriff of Nottingham. They have a little cardboard standing in front of them. An overweight gentleman who is the Sheriff of Nottingham. And all the other players are trying to sneak goods into Nottingham past the Sheriff. And they're doing so by either convincing the Sheriff that there are no... Uh, illicit goods in their bags or by bribing the sheriff with money to let the goods through. And the way this plays out in the game is you have cards. Some of them have normal goods on them, like chickens. Bread. Bread. Cheese. Cheese. Apples. Yeah. And then some of them have illegal goods, like... Weapons. Yeah. <laughs> Weapons. Booze. Booze. Spices. Yeah, for some reason they don't like spice in their food. It's yeah, kind of weird. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Spices. It's that cumin. That's what it is. Cumin. Watch so the, out for it. So the way it works is every card has a value that it will give you in money at the end of the game, and it has a value on it if you try to sneak it through legally and get caught. And that's the value that you would have to pay the sheriff if he caught you. So, for example, if I was a sheriff, Chris would probably try to sneak through like four illegal goods and then one chicken. And so I would immediately just open his bag without even negotiating with him because I know that Chris is a liar, especially when he's talking to me. <laughs> Not true. <laughs> Only in games. Now, if Chris is sneaking through a bunch of illegal goods, he knows about the value of these illegal goods is higher than like the normal chicken. So he wants to get them through. Uh, so he might bribe me and give me some money not to open his bag. And the bag is like this little snap bag that holds these, these cards in them. So if I think Chris is lying, then I open the bag. As soon as I open it, decision is final. I, t I pull the cards out immediately. If there's any illegal goods in there, whatever the value was on those goods that Chris has to pay, he has to pay me. So I'm getting money out of it. So that. you get rewarded as the sheriff for opening a bag of illegal goods. Right. Well, that's that's and the key, though. The, the player is penalized. That's the key. It's a snap bag. Yeah. Because there's some bag. satisfaction when you hear that. It's pop. a very black and white. Right issue. Yeah. There's no uh, you know futzing around. That snap snaps open. It's open. Yep. So let's say I was wrong though, and Chris wasn't lying to me. He was just bluffing. 
And so Which has happened. So he has five chickens in there, and he said that he had five chickens. Then I have to pay Chris that value, the value that we he would have had to pay me. I have to pay him instead. Plus, I get the value of the chickens. Yeah. So now he's getting reward for tricking people into thinking that he's lying. Right. And he's getting the money, the value at the end of the game. And to top that off, there's like bonuses at the end of the game for having the most chickens and the second most chickens, the most bread and, and whatnot. That's pretty much how the game rolls. Right. Uh, so you're rewarded. If you can get contraband across, it's better than chickens or any of the other ones because it's worth more at the end of the game when you're accumulating your points. Right. So you, you do want to get contraband across. Although you can get a lot of points for just being good, too, because like Ryan said, there's bonuses. And you're immune from being caught then. Yeah. So you won't ever have to pay fines of the sheriff. It's actually better if you get, quote unquote, caught, meaning get your bag open, because now you're getting the extra money for all the goods. Which is why you want to appear guilty. Yeah. But the sheriff, the job of the sheriff rotates around the board, so everybody's going to have a turn. And when it's your turn as the sheriff, the money that you get from opening people's bags who are trying to sneak goods across, that money goes into your pot and counts toward your points at the end of the game. So it's also beneficial to be a smart sheriff in this game. You know, you you don't want to open, just randomly open people's bags because if you get into the habit of doing that, they're going to know it and they're going to just send legal stuff your way yep. and you're going to pay out the nose for it. So th- there's, a, there's a lot of thinking that's going on in this game and it's constantly changing because the role of the sheriff keeps changing and everybody's got a different personality. Uh, if they're if they're going to be acceptable to accepting bribes, if they're going to be lenient, if they're going to be strict, everybody's a little different. Yeah. Now, one thing I didn't mention is there there is some hand management in this game, so it's not just blindly drawing cards and hoping you get five chickens. There's there's two discard piles and there's a draw pile where you can before you send your goods, um, you have the opportunity to discard some cards and draw either from the blind pile or the face-up pile, which gives you other opportunities to bluff, you know, because you could discard a bunch of illegal goods trying to make the sheriff think that you're you're a good guy and you just want to keep all the good stuff, but you probably have a whole handful of illegal goods. But you're, you may be using that to try to trick the sheriff. Or, you know, there's there's a lot of opportunities to bluff. Like, I was bluffed one game by, by Ian, one of the guys in our group, because he pretended like he was going to bribe me, and then he like he changed his mind, and I totally fell for it. And I was like, all right, if he, if he was going to bribe me and he decided not to, then I'm opening his bag. And it was all good stuff. He was just totally bluffing me, and I was just gullible. <laughs> I totally fell for it. <laughs> so, you know, there, there's a lot of bluffing in this game, and the, the, there's a lot of things that play into the bluffing. I think that pretty much covers the rules. You just go around the table. Everyone's a sheriff twice. And then at the end, you just count up all your money, add up the bonuses, and whoever has the most money is the winner. So what are some things you guys liked about this game? I love this game. I, I thought it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's a great mix of tactics, but also social deduction. It's, like, it's almost like the perfect mix of those two things. Because you have to think, but you also have to be able to read people and you have to be able to you know when to bribe and know when to be good and know when to sneak. It's an interesting social experiment in some ways to see of your group, you know, who, who's the one that's going to open the bag. You know, we had the one time one of Ross, who's kind of unpredictable, he just opened everybody's bag. He didn't even <laughs> give you a chance to bribe him. It's kind of fun to, to do that. But I like the game also because it's simple. The concept is very simple. Maybe the art of getting your goods into Nottingham isn't simple, but the concept is simple. And it moves along quickly. That's another thing I really like about this game. And contrary to popular belief, there is more than one way to win. It's not all about the contraband. 
we played a game recently, and I think this is the one game when you won when we were when we were playing at your place. You had a couple turns where you just exploded, and you were way out in head. Mm-hmm. You, you can kind of see the score vaguely of people the way the game pieces are laid out. And I was trying to catch up by being pure good. I did nothing but apples and cheese and all no contraband. Every now and then, people would open my bag. I would get extra money. I got almost all the bonuses at the end, and I came within like a couple gold of you know your score. And so I think that shows you can do well at this game without lying. I think the and that's only really good news for the game because it's not just not just one way to win. I think one thing to add, even add to that argument is you had one turn where I totally hosed you. That was the turn I was leading to when I was doing the, the rules explanation. I didn't even give Chris a chance to. I just knew he was, somehow I just knew that he was going to have all contraband in his bag. And he had like three or four contraband cards in there. <laughs> so he lost a lot of money that I one did. turn. It was and bad. If that was good that turn, you may have won the game. Because that was like a big swing of oh, yeah. money from you directly to me. Right. So, yeah, maybe if you had stick, stuck with the good strategy. Yeah, but even, you can even change strategies mid-game. Yeah. Like, like I did. You could, there's, it's not all about lying. That's an important point. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, it's it's knowing who the sheriff is and kind of getting a feel for if that person's going to look at your bag or not look at your bag. Like, pretty much, you're the sheriff, Chris. I, I pretty much can't try to smuggle stuff because you're probably just going to open my bag all the time anyways right. with the assumption. So you kind of have to play it off of who the sheriff is and what you think you can get away with. But that's a great thing about this game. I can't do that because if I right. did that all the time, sure. I'm going to learn I will, my lesson. I'm going to yep. pay through the nose. Exactly. Which is why, it's, yeah, that's why it's great is you can't even always go on that. Yep. And I just, just just the banter too with the sheriff is, <laughs> is great. He's like, yeah, I got four cheese. And you're like, you sure you got four cheese? And you go, oh, yeah, I got the mozzarella, I got the cheddar, I got some <laughs> Munster, and I got the old Swiss. And, you know, then she's kind of like, oh, okay. Uh, and then there's just the whole play on there. He's like, okay. And then he lets you go. And you're like, yes. You know, you know, you, you got something through. Or, you know, he's like, yeah, I don't think so. And he pops it. And then there were really four cheese in there. So yeah. it's it's fun to have that banter with the sheriff. And it's really that snap on the bag. Yeah. I mean, that, it's that just has really, a lot to do with you know, it. Yeah, my list, too. You know, Ross gets there and he's got that. And he's like, he's, you know, he'll kind of like start lifting it, start lifting it. And then depending on how he believes your story, all of a sudden it's like, and yeah. you're done. There's nothing else you can do. The bag's been popped. <laughs> yep. And so right. a lot of fun. A yeah. lot of fun. I like to send my bag to the sheriff with a few gold coins on top of it. Yes, yes. Just a little something to wet his beak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Chris J is uh, way too accepting of those bribes. Yeah. <laughs> It's kind of like, but what's pay me, guys? Everything's getting through this. One turn. thing he does yeah. that's funny though is he'll give you a minimum bribe. Yeah, you're like, I'm opening your bag unless you at least five gold. <laughs> so, you know, it's like you have to give him something, and then you know if you're generous with him, he'll let you through. It seems like. So, I definitely like a lot of things about this game. One thing we haven't mentioned, I like the art, the artwork in the game. Uh, so, I actually bought this game. I don't even know if this is the case or not, but I. I was looking at a post from the Cool Mini or Not Expo from last year, and I heard that Cool Mini or Not got distribution for this game from from Arcane Wonders. And I was just looking at a random picture from this expo, and I saw a game on the shelf called Nottingham, and it had completely different artwork. And I was like, oh, man, are they changing the art? I mean, it it looked way worse. And I got got nervous because it was like a game on my list that I wanted, and I didn't want to get this other artwork. So I went out and ordered the game just because of that, because wow. I was worried they were going to change the art. That, so 
I really like the artwork. I guess is my point uh, to the point that I, it forced me to buy the game because I thought they were going to change it. I agree with Chris about the concept. How it like the game has simple rules. It's like a very simple concept, but it's a lot of fun just playing out playing it out. I had the snaps on there. That's like one of the best components snaps. of any game. I think is that snap. Yeah. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but it definitely is. It's like part of the game. I, I can't imagine if they remade the game and didn't have that. Like if they just had like Velcro or. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like lame. the handcuffs, you know, clicking on. It's like right. snap, you're busted. <laughs> right. Yeah. So the snap is great. I think there's two things I really like about this game that differentiate it from other social deduction games for me, especially in our game group. Number one is you can choose who you lie to. So in other like werewolf games, I can't choose if I'm the werewolf who I'm lying to. I, mean, I have to lie to everyone. Yeah. Specifically, Chris. It's really hard for me to lie to Chris because he always knows when I'm lying. In this game, I can choose not to lie to Chris, but maybe like someone else, like Chris Johnson, who doesn't know my my uh, tells as well. I can lie to and get away with. Like when we played the game at my house, there's a guy in our group, David. I just knew I could get past him. That was him. frustrating. So too. every time he was the sheriff, doing. I did like four of the five goods were <laughs> contraband, and I convinced him to let me through. And I think that's really what won me the game. But I knew I could get it by him. But with Chris, I almost never put contraband in my bag with Chris because it doesn't matter if I'm telling the truth or lying. He's going to know immediately if I'm lying. So just the fact that it gives you the choice of who to lie to. That's really something unique about this game. And also, I I actually haven't done this much, but getting your bag through with the sheriff is kind of like convincing people not to lynch you in Werewolf. It it kind of uses that same skill set. And I feel like I have a chance to use that to my advantage with people in this game, which makes it fun for me because I like like doing that. Chris Johnson listens, but he's let me through a lot. In this game, when I had a ton of contra, and now he's, he's gonna he's, he's gonna open he's my the bag. King of payoff. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know he'll take the bribe, but you know. So, anyways, the silver tongue advantage comes in handy. Silver here. tongue. Yep. What about negatives. You want to start? Oh, right. So you can get used to how people play over time, and I think that would be a negative of this game. You know what their tells are, what their habits are. You know, like we were talking about, some of the guys are easier to bribe. Brian. As a friend who kind of lets things through, I think the, this is a game that that may get predictable if it's with the same people. I think it's good to keep it fresh and maybe mix things up a little bit. So just the, the risk of getting stale, really, that's the only negative I had. I really don't have the many negatives either. I, you know, actually, my one negative is kind of some of the special items that are to contraband. I, they just seem like they should be better. <laughs> you know, like the contraband apples. It's like, ooh, it counts as. Two apples. I mean, that's just like, yeah. Am I? I'm risking this for. Yeah. Why don't they put an like extra a, apple? Like a, I don't know, like a some kind of powerful magic item or something more. Well, you know, either, either that or you know, this this counts as an apple for every three apples you have. So if you're if you're if you're bringing in apples now, smuggling this one in is now worth maybe four or five apples. But you no, know, I to see. try to risk it for an extra apple is that was kind of lame. Yeah. And. Some of the other contraband, I don't know, was that one map that was like an extended one or something? That you was had? a promo item. The promo item. That, I, that was stupid. That was just, yeah. The one that doesn't let you get bonuses. Yeah, you, <laughs> you get a you get decent amount of gold, but it excludes you from all bonuses from regular merchandise. But no one's actually tried just getting a bunch of those through. Because if you think about it, the bonuses are only worth, I think, 15 and 10. And that's that a car- lot. That card's worth 12. Yeah, so it's it's worth a lot. So if you got like three of those through, that's kind of like getting second well, if, and three you, bonuses. Yeah, if, you, if you're able to get three of those through, but that 
means yeah. you've got to get all three of them, yeah. and then you got to get all three of them through. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. That, I, th- I think I, some some cooler contraband stuff like that that would be more with. I'm the, I'm the cheese man, so maybe my my cheese bonus is a little a little cooler. So it's a, a, a bigger risk for that item to get through, and not just a bonus cheese. Yeah. So I had a couple. One is I don't like that the game only goes to five. I feel like this yeah. game could go to like eight and be fine. You know, just go to eight, have everyone be the sheriff once, and that'd be the same length as you know a, a normal game. Like we even played it with six. Just tried to play with six, and it yeah. worked fine. The only issue we had was we ran out of cards. Yeah, we basically had all contraband left at the end. Yeah, but if they had more cards, then that would be resolved. I mean, Chris yeah, and can... I have talked about combining two sets, playing like that. The only issue with that is you have to separate them afterwards. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to like them. label, you know, yeah. you know, like they kind of do with some of the games where this is the four player setup, and then for a fifth player, there's a five on the cards. So you do yeah. the same thing. Here's more apples. So if it's a six-player game, here's the apples and the cheese, and you know it's just an extra set of cards that you use, and yeah. they can easily be filtered out based on that number. So I did hear. I th- I think Tom was rumoring that there's an expansion coming for this that will in- increase it to six players and give more cards and stuff. Uh-huh. So if that's true, I'll probably get it because five is just a bad number for our group. We all we typically have <laughs> six or more. Yeah. The only other thing is the. Although I understand the reason for the two different discard piles, the rules about all that are a little fiddly. So I didn't really go into the rules, but the the phase where you can exchange cards, it's like you have to take the cards in your hand, put them face down. Then you can pick from one of the two discard piles. But if you pick from the face down pile, then you're not allowed to pick from the face up pile. It's like there's all these rules about, about the discard piles. It feels like it could have been streamlined a little more. Just say, okay, you either draw from the face down pile or the discard pile. Like that would make it easier. Or if you if you discard your cards, you discard them to one of the piles and then you draw from one of the other two. Instead of discard it in front of you and then pick from one of the two and you can't pick from this first. I don't know. Yeah. It just seems like a little bit too many rules for the for the discards. Everything else in the game, the rules are pretty simple, but that part, like as a person who's always teaching the game, I'm constantly having to, to explain and clarify it to people and it just it's more annoying than it should be. But overall, those are kind of just nitpicky things, I think, because the game, the fun outweighs, you know, those negatives, I for me at least. Because I've gotten a little tired of social deduction, I I think this is a great it's filling that niche for me right now. And I think it's just because of the choosing who I can lie to thing. Uh, because that becomes optional in this game, it just makes it way better for me. It, like It takes away the problems I have with other games like this. So I, I think it's a great game, and I'm glad I have it. Yeah, I think we all agree. Thumbs up on this game. Yeah, I'll play this anytime it's suggested. It's, yeah. I'd play. So that is Sheriff of Nottingham. The werewolf has been tamed, but let's get weird. Oh, no. It's time for the poor game food truck. Poor game food truck. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Order up. How bizarre. How bizarre. How bizarre. Board Game Food Truck. One of our favorite segments here at the Outer Game Podcast. This is where we give Chris a game or three, and he tells us what food item represents that game. Sounds a little strange, right? It is. And we're going to start it right now. So, Chris... What is the first game being served up today on the board game? First game we're serving up. We're going to stick with the theme of Sheriff of Nottingham. Right. We just reviewed the game. We're all familiar with it. To compare this game to food is a little tricky. We're going to serve up quesadillas with chicken, cheese, pinto beans, avocado, and salsa verde. 
We're gonna serve this dish with egg and radishes, and there is a tip jar. Okay. <laughs> All right. So the tip the tip jar is a is we'll just start with that. It's a little obvious. I like to slide my bag, as I said, to the sheriff with some gold coins on it. Uh-huh. That's what the tip jar is for. We're gonna give the you know the cook something to wet their beaks, make sure that they take care of us. Now the quesadilla is interesting because you can have you can have a plain quesadilla like a cheese quesadilla. You could have just the tortilla by itself. You know, nothing on the quesadilla is very plain, you know, but chicken cheese, pinto beans, the salsa verde, the whole nine yards, that's pretty tasty. So depending on what you can get across is what's in your quesadilla. Now, getting your contraband through, you're rewarded with the most succulent quesadilla. It's got all the fixings on it. You can even add um, some things that weren't in the ingredients, like a sour sour cream and a shallot garnish. <laughs> Gotta love those shallots. <laughs> the shallot garnish. Has to be a garnish. So the egg, the egg is normally, when it's served on this dish, it's normally boiled and then sliced in half and then served on top and it looks really nice, right? But for the purposes of this dish, the egg represents egg on your face. <laughs> if you're the sheriff, you open someone's bag and you're wrong, you have to pay them. That's pretty embarrassing with, for the sheriff. The sheriff's job is to prevent contraband from going through not regular goods. Egg on his face. Now, the radishes are interesting. I got to tell a little story. So, you guys familiar with the device called the Miracle Peeler? It's like an ass scene on TV. It's got, it's like flat with a razor on it, and you just, yeah. like, you slide your, your veggies across, and it creates these paper-thin slices. It's, it's like a mandolin. something else. Yeah. Yeah. So, I was using one of those recently, cutting radishes, ironically, and I sliced my finger open on that thing. Now, that that's really sharp. Let me tell <laughs> yeah. you, I had to take a breather and you know put some stuff on it and almost passed out. I'm like I getting get a like little weak. chills in my spine yeah, just thinking it's, about it. It's, it's, I mean, it, that thing is sharp. I'm fine. So just it's saying. a little bit <laughs> slicing your finger on that. I'm using it as part of the board game food truck because that's a little bit like um, having your bag opened and getting caught. Okay. It's painful. It's embarrassing, and you feel like you need a drink afterward. Nice. Nice. I'm still. <laughs> yeah. True story. Did you sue them? You could get like, you could get free miracle peelers for life. Like Kramer. I don't want any more of those. I'm not going to use those ever again. Okay. So, uh, Sheriff of Nottingham, quesadillas served with egg radishes in a tip jar. I have a question. Where are you buying quesadillas with egg on them? I've never. No, you make them that way. I've never had one with egg on it. That's how you serve. No. Yeah. Never had one with egg. Should try it sometime. Maybe. It sounds, it sounds good. Like a breakfast. I mean, like a little, like a hard boiled, soft boiled egg. So, in the codenames example, if this was a breakfast item, would you get shot or not? This is not a... No, you'd get shot. <laughs> okay. Because there's egg on it, so I thought maybe... You don't a, choose this. It's not, a, it's not a breakfast food. Okay. All right, what's game number two? Game number two of the board game food truck. We are going with Mysterium. Now, Mysterium was requested... By Bonnie. By Bonnie, but I hadn't played it yet. So, yeah. now that I've had a chance to play Mysterium, we are going to serve it up. We have a problem, though, with this, with this dish in this game. Because like the game, the meal is very complex, so you're going to have to bear with me on this. <laughs> Mysterium is shayu ramen with black garlic, blanched green beans, and shiitake mushrooms. It's served in a ponzu sauce. We're also garnishing it with something called frukaki. I've never heard of half of these ingredients. I don't know. What are you talking about? <laughs> the dessert, wait, just wait for the, this. The dessert is salted caramel cheesecake topped with strawberries. That sounds oh, well, no, that but sounds good. But the slices are not even. 
Some pieces are bigger than others, and we'll get to that. <laughs> so Mysterium, let's talk a little bit about Mysterium, because we, we just talked about Sheriff of Nottingham. Mysterium is it's a murder mystery. You've got ghosts. You've got paranormal communication. That's why we're using black garlic. It's dark. It's wicked. Black garlic is aged under special conditions. It transforms into like a molasses-like sweet ingredient. True. It's true. true story. It does. <laughs> now... Shoyu ramen, which is the, that's the, the star of the dish. It can serve a lot of people. And the ponzu sauce is, is citrusy and tart. And that, that that's, comes in handy and it's, it nicely aligns itself with the co-op aspect of the game because, you know, everyone's gathered around the table. There's this unique dish and there's enough to go around. You know, Mysterium, you're all kind of working together to solve this mystery. So in the game, there's those bizarre cards where you've got to guess the clues and the art is a little, little crazy. This is a little bit like the frukaki. Now, frukaki, for people who don't know, it's a Japanese condiment. Okay. It's like crushed seaweed. So it's a crazy adventure. You really have no idea what you're eating. Just like the cards, you have no idea what you're looking at. Yep. When you're eating this dish, there's moments where this combination of strange ingredients really come together. It's delicious. And when that happens, it's as rewarding for the cook as it is for the diners. You see... These ingredients, you heard me read them, it's a lot of work. So whether you're the ghost serving up the cards or you're the chef serving up these ingredients, you know, when it all comes together, it's pure bliss either way. <laughs> okay. You know, if you played this game, there's times when things fall apart. I'm the ghost? Yeah, if Ryan's the ghost and we, we're not getting the clues and it's very we frustrating. Birds. <laughs> so this is why we're adding on blanched green beans. So green beans, everybody knows what green beans are, but blanching them is when you boil them and then you immediately take them out and immerse them in cold water. Now, the thing with blanched green beans, if you're serving a hot dish, you've got to reheat the green beans. Otherwise, they're, you're even a hot dish with cold green beans. We're purposefully leaving them cold because I've had this before and it's very disappointing. Just like when you can't get the clues properly <laughs> aligned in Mysterium. The bite of blanched green beans is, it's very frustrating and disheartening. So the abstract art, the, the frustration with the art adds though, it really adds to the sweet taste of victory when you, you, you get a win. Which is why the dessert is one of my all-time favorites. Mm. Now, if you're lucky enough to win this game, you know how satisfying it is to sit back and just bask in the glow of victory. That's like sitting back and eating your salted caramel cheesecake topped with strawberries. But remember, the pieces are not evenly cut. That represents the upvoting and downvoting going throughout the game, because even though it's a co-op, you're using your opponent's choices to your advantage to advance yourself in the game, just like slicing yourself a piece of oversized dessert. Nice. <laughs> so there you have it. Mysterium. Show you ramen with black garlic. Where's this restaurant? Wow. Yeah, that's It's no the idea. food truck. That's it comes right. and goes. That's right. <laughs> All right, what's game number three? I, I know what game number three is, and I am highly interested in what food represents this game. So game number three is Pandemic Legacy. Uh-oh. Now, th this was one of the most challenging ones for me to come up with. Okay. Uh, I stewed, no pun intended, hard over this. And, um, you know, coming up with something like the Jelly of the Month Club <laughs> was sort of the obvious choice, but it's not good enough. The quality is too poor, even for this game. So here's what we've got. We're serving up spaghetti with no sauce or butter or anything, medium-sized chicken breast cooked in the microwave, six lima beans, a glass of water, 
and a bag of pure cane sugar. Six layers. Wow. <laughs> a bag of sugar. All right. Okay, now separately from this, we've got a variety of barbecue sauce bottles, tomato sauce, salt, pepper, a bottle of wine, all encased in a glass box <laughs> with no lid. <laughs> and then in addition to that, a couple drops of chloral hydrate. <laughs> wow. So the... <laughs> the the chloral hydrate is there. We'll just we'll just take care of that. It's there to make you compliant, just in case, because you may have to be handcuffed to the chair to eat this meal. Now, the way this is served, it's one of those caregivers. You know that, that are, you know they're charity people that do a lot of good work. They come to your house. They're going to prepare this meal for you and serve it to you. So the first thing they're going to do is give you a spoonful of the cane sugar, and they're going to she's going to she's going to promise you that you're going to love this. And in order to have the sugar, you have to agree to the terms of this meal, which is a long-term contract. <laughs> but of course, you're going to agree because you're, you're having the sugar. The sugar is a little bit representative of, you know, the popularity of the game. Okay. You know, it's just hard to resist the appeal, you know, the public, the court of public opinion. But when the meal is ready, she's going to prepare the meal and is going to serve this meal based on a deck of cards, where each card has a picture of the food item. It's all in proportion to the amount of food that's there. So whatever card is drawn, piece of microwave chicken, she's going to cut a piece and serve it to you. You have to, you have to eat it. It's part of the contract. The one exception to this is the lima beans, because whenever an epidemic card is drawn, you have to eat a lima bean. That's because lima beans are the worst food on the planet. <laughs> Now, the, the bland spaghetti and chicken represent the bland nature of the game because, as we know, it's really not a game. It's a puzzle. <laughs> like every puzzle, there's a beginning, a middle, and an end with very little in the way of strategy. There's progress, just like there's nutrition in the chicken, but the ride is boring, unremarkable, and it makes other foods look really good. On a side note, once I was playing Pandemic and I looked over and I saw in the other table they were playing Colt Express. And I sat there staring at the game thinking, wow, that game is so strategic and interesting. <laughs> what does that tell you? <laughs> now, the glass box with the sauces and condiments out of reach, they're, they're inaccessible because... Just, out of reach, I missed that part. <laughs> well, it's in a glass box. You can't get to it. Because just like the game, it, you know, it, the flavor is as out of reach as the fun. You can see the fun. It's in the theme it's in the worksmanship and how the game is crafted, but you'll never have it because it's not really a game. <laughs> <laughs> the, the one caveat of eating this is you may be tempted to spit out your food. So the problem, if you spit out your food or otherwise gagging or disgusted, it causes an outbreak to happen. <laughs> now, an outbreak with this dish, your caregiver is going to reshuffle the deck and make all new food of the same thing. And you've got to go through it again. <laughs> Once the last card is drawn, the meal is done. Because a game of pandemic, you know, it just like it's like walking a path. It's interesting to see the sights, but you can't veer from the path by making individual choices. So just paint a smile on your face and try to enjoy the ride. When the meal is finally finished, the caregiver is going to remember where each <laughs> where each mess is, each sign of struggle, every spilled drop of water and food. She's going to mark it down because you get to do it all over again next week and pick up right where you left off. You have no choice because you had the sugar, you agreed to it, and there's no turning back. 
Pandemic legacy. Pandemic legacy. Spaghetti, no sauce or butter. Medium chicken breast in the microwave and six lima beans. Wow. I don't think you could have explained your dislike of Pandemic Legacy any better than with the board game Food yeah, Truck. Yeah. I perfectly understand your problems with the game now. <laughs> it's a little bit like poetry. Yeah. Well, Chris, once again, weird as always and didn't disappoint. We got to get you playing more games so we can do more of these. <laughs> Well, now that that's over, let's get a little more normal, or I guess abnormal, where we go into our table talk. Table talk. You're listening to the Dice Tower Network. If you like this show, you might like Blue Peg, Pink Peg, or the Snakes Cast. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com. So, in this episode's table talk, we're going to be discussing introvert versus extrovert gamers. Now, a little caveat before we start this discussion is... I'm basing all of my kind of comments on this are just on my perceptions of introverts versus extroverts, not so much on scientific data. <laughs> so, and I, and I would imagine we're all kind of doing the same thing. So this isn't to make light or fun of anyone who's an introvert or extrovert. It's just our opinion of how these characteristics of people's personalities can interact with each other uh, while playing board games. Yeah, so uh, just to explain a little bit of that, the psychological definition is a little different than the common definition. Yeah. Introverts are seen as like shy people, but in reality, introverts get energy by being alone. They get recharged. You know, they need they just need their alone time. It doesn't mean they're shy because when they're with people, they can be very outgoing. They just need to be alone. Whereas extroverts can't be alone too long. They get recharged by being around people. You know, they just, they're the ones that have cabin fever. They just have to get out of the house, have company over, have somebody to interact with. Yeah. But people, and, and we'll get into this a little bit, people that have these personality traits do, like people who are extroverted, for example, tend to be more outgoing, from my experience. Well, here's, here's an example. So I think Tim, under the classic definition, is probably the most extroverted person in our gaming group. Under yeah. the classic definition. Which is funny because, because you're, through high school, you, I was an introvert. I didn't talk to a lot of people. But that doesn't mean that doesn't mean you're an introvert. But yeah, I definitely enjoy groups and get-togethers and you people. you probably wouldn't like being by yourself for very long. I mean, you could do it, but you are around people a lot. Yeah, I, I enjoy it. But when we're playing games, it doesn't mean you're the gabbiest. In fact, right. you, you tend to sort of kind of fly under the radar with a lot of the games. I have so, to. <laughs> so there's there's a strange difference yeah, there. there. I mean, is. would you? I'm looking at Ryan. Would you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert? I'm totally an introvert because I get exhausted being right. around. Right, me too. Yeah. I'm an introvert too. But you and I are some of the gabbiest people at yeah, some of these games. That's true, especially the social games. Yeah, I think, uh, and it's hard because I think we have to kind of generalize in order to have the conversation. Right. So to your point, you were referring more to the common right. Definition. Right. Yep. Okay. So, and, and again, we're we're trying to bring this into how does this impact gaming? This kind of is similar to way back when we did the ADHD versus OCD gamers, and then you know when you put these types of people together in a game group, you know how does it play out? You know, so to speak. So I kind of structured this as negatives and positives, but we can kind of discuss it any way we want. But Chris, what are your thoughts on maybe some negatives of introvert uh, being an introvert? Well, I think the problem with being an introvert, I think being in, there's nothing wrong with being quiet in a game. But I think if you have too many at the table, it may take away a little bit. Sometimes it's, there's a good mix because you could say the same thing with having too many extroverts at the table. Everybody's 
like loud and yapping and it's, it's a little overwhelming. But if you have a mix where you have some people who they enjoy listening and then some people enjoy talking, I think that's kind of the sweet spot. So I think to your point about negatives being an introvert, you don't. The negative would be if there's too many uh, introverted people playing, you may lose something in the social aspect, even in non-social games. You know, like for me, I like talking during games. I, I'll even get into the theme even when you're not expected to, you know. And I'll, I'll start, you know, making comments about uh, Tim's ships are bigger than my ships. What's up with that and <laughs> things like that. I remember there was a game of Seven Wonders, and because Seven Wonders has a great theme. And I was playing with uh, my kids, my daughter and her boyfriend was playing, and he, he were playing with the leaders, and he had um, Hatshepsut, and Hatshepsut's ability was, you get a coin, you you get a coin every time you make a tra- every time you buy a good from one of your neighbors, you get a coin back, and he also had tra- the trading post, which I think reduces the cost by one, so he was basically getting free goods. Nice. And so I was I was sort of heckling. You know, I was accusing I was accusing him of plundering his neighbors and not trading with them. And, he, and I was trying to get them to build up their military to go to war with him. You know, just that has nothing to do with the game. It has nothing to do with what my strategy is. I'm just, I have a couple idle seconds and I'm yapping. Yeah. So that's an example of what I think being extroverted at a game can add to the game because you're having fun, that which has nothing to do with the mechanic. Yeah. So for me, because I am an introvert, this is this... <laughs> Think, talking about introverts is kind of easy for me because I know, I know like what I think are the positives and negatives. Um, I did break mine up into like out of game issues and in game issues. So like out of game, instead of like while you're playing a game, but just in gaming in general is you might prefer to have smaller groups of people to play games with because being around large groups of people is exhausting. Most of the time, like on my Saturday group, I'll invite like everyone. I have like a list of 40 people I invite and usually like a fourth of those will come at any given time. But then there's also times where I only invite three people because I just can't deal with having that big of a group over again, like multiple months in a row. You know, you may prefer smaller groups. And even if I'm in the bigger group, it's okay with me a lot of times at my house, at least because we're kind of separated into rooms. Just based, just because of the layout of my basement, like someone's in my game room. Sometimes they even close the door in that room because it's a lot. The other groups are being loud or something, and they might be playing some Euro game. Uh, it's just like kind of cordoned off into different sections, so you're not feeling overwhelmed by it, like a big group. Another thing is, as an introvert, sometimes it's hard for me to get to know new people. So I tend to like to play games with people that I know are more familiar with. And those are just kind of like out of game issues. Now in the game conflict, I don't know if this is a general trait of introverts or not, but I don't necessarily like causing conflict in a game or having any kind of like confrontation type of thing with someone. So I may make poor strategy decisions in a game in the interest of not causing conflict. So I don't know if you remember last episode, we were talking about if you had someone who took you doing something to them personally, what would you do? And I and I talked about how I would try to remedy the situation right away, even you know if I didn't really agree with them. That, that's kind of this maybe coming from the same place. Just the idea of having conflict in a game. I don't want to be the, the cause of any kind of conflict, even if what I did wasn't. There's nothing wrong with it, but that for some reason that person had a problem with it. Especially if it's something you don't know well. Right. Yeah. Like, like the guy I talked about who I somehow drove out of the game. Like I felt horrible about that. And also like if I was playing in a group and someone else explained the rules, 
sometimes I'm hesitant, depending on if, especially if I don't know the person, sometimes I'm hesitant to ask rules questions or clarifications for fear, just, I don't know, just for fear of asking questions or you know, causing a problem or annoyance to that person. So I don't know if these are introverted things or not, but I feel like they're kind of related because just the the idea of having that interact, those inter- uncomfortable interactions with people, I guess I'm trying to avoid. So those are some of the things I came up with. Yeah, that's interesting too. I, I didn't think about the out of game aspects as part of it. And that is part of gaming. You know? Right. Yeah, I know. I, that's you know coming straight from the introvert's mouth. I mean, how can you? I mean, I, I don't know what else I could add to that. I mean, it's really, uh, you know, the in-game stuff. I think it's social games. Yeah, maybe they're not speaking up as much. You know, like you're playing a game of Spyfall. Maybe that introverted person is not sharing what they think because they just don't want to get involved that much. They're kind of just doing it in their head and not sharing. So, I mean, I think you've got it right. It's it's gameplay and there's the out of game stuff and the in game stuff and I don't well, know what plus, I can add. Plus we've seen this in games like Werewolf. Yeah. Where you have people who are really quiet, it affects the entire game. I mean you you almost want to lynch them just because they're not talking because they're not right. participating in the game. And that is a it's not that you have to be an extrovert because again, like to use Ryan and I as an example, we're both introverts, but we're very talkative in werewolf, but you have some people who they don't talk. They're very shy for whatever reason. They just don't want to participate and it does bring the game down. Now to add to your point, there are introverts who are very talkative. I don't know the other end of that. I don't know if the other end of that is very true though. I don't know that there's a lot of extroverts who are very shy and not talkative. I know some like that. Really? Really? Yes, that will. You know, they just have to be around people, and they like to be around people, but if they're in a situation where, like, the spotlight is on them, they... They might climb up a little bit huh, and, get, really? and just have a little bit of shyness. Yeah. I figured that was the person that's always leading the charge. You know, no, they I mean, want to kind like of Ryan be the leads the charge, and he's an introvert. See, I, but I think a little bit of that is there's the there's that comfort level yeah, of being true. with a group of people that you know. You start throwing strangers in there, and then that dynamic changes. So there's I'm in a social situation where I hardly know anybody, and then there's. Well, I'm down in Tim's basement. I know everybody, so I'm not as introverted as I'd be if I was out at Gen Con playing Werewolf with 15 strangers. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think maybe what we're discussing are the exceptions, like to the rule. Because, in my opinion, I mean, if you're if you take like this Werewolf game that we're discussing, the 15 people, the three people who are being super quiet, I highly doubt those are extroverted people, <laughs> just based on my experience in those yeah. games. True. I mean, more than likely, those are very introverted people who just maybe don't feel comfortable or, or, or feel awkward in the group, in the situation that they're in. Yeah, you may find that once that circle shrinks and now it's down to six yeah. or eight people, they might become more talkative. That's, and that does happen a lot. Like those people will suddenly start chiming in when you get when it becomes a more intimate setting. What about strategy games like the, the classic games? Introverted people probably don't change much there because they're focused on the game mechanic. Yeah. And we've seen this in Magic, too, where you, you people just, like, they don't talk and they're just sort of dour. Yeah. And it might be shyness, but it also just might be they're there to play the game and not to talk. Socialize. They're, they're focusing on the rules and making sure they don't get anything wrong. And right. It's, it's a much more focused play. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. I think in strategy games, there is a social aspect to those games where you're kind of talking out of the out of game, you know, like Chris like was saying, he likes to talk during the games. I don't think there's any advantage 
if you're talking about advantages in a game too, to being introverted. I think being an extroverted is only good as far yeah. as... I, I think introverted, because you're sitting back, you're watching what people are doing, you're paying attention, you're not being distracted by talking, so you're you're focused. I think you could have a stronger strategy that way, whereas you know, you're trying to poke fun at that and maybe ignoring your strategy, whereas they're, they're hyper-focused. That might be more... A point about how smart the person is, though. But uh, you know, some extroverted people could also do that. But you're right; it's true. I mean, you could get you could distract yourself, and I've done that, where I'm like so into the theme and I'm joking around right. during a game, and I'm I'm laughing at somebody's game piece. Meanwhile, I'm not paying attention to my strategy. Yeah. So you might have a point there. So positives. So one. <laughs> so here's some funny ones that I have. So as an introvert. Here are some positives that I find to being an introvert. The main one being that I can enjoy parts of the hobby that others may not enjoy. For instance, opening and organizing games. So I like to sit by myself in my basement, opening games, looking at cards, sniffing them, bagging them up, organizing them. You realize there's introverts now crying out going, oh my God, we don't do that. This is OCD. <laughs> That's OCD, not introverts. Do not categorize this as no, this. It's the doing something by yourself and being totally fine with it. Yeah. You know, that's, as an introvert, something I enjoy. Reading rules. You know, I think reading is one of those things that a lot of introverts enjoy because you're kind of just in your own world. And reading rules... I enjoy doing that. I might have to turn in my introvert card. The Giants. <laughs> yeah, you would hate reading rules. I hate all the things. I don't completely said. agree with you that you're an introvert. According to all the tests. Yeah. Solitaire gaming. I'm fine. I can sit down and play play a solitaire game. Totally cool with that. Depending on the game, yeah. I mean, I can do the same thing. Yeah. That's cool. And uh, gazing at my wall of games in <laughs> silent solitude. That's like watching paint dry. Highly enjoyable. <laughs> Just kick back in the recliner, start at the left, just scan to the right. That's just, like know. me finishing painting my bathroom, sitting down in a chair, and <laughs> watching it dry. <laughs> that might be fun. Unless, you know, unless you're scanning across and you see a spot that you didn't do a very good job. Well, there could be that. I mean, then you have to get up and re-roll it. Yeah, and in my case, that's when you move it to the coal pile. Because oh you don't want to have any spots like that, yeah. as mentioned before. Those are the positives that I came up with. How about you guys? Yeah, we sort of bled into talked about the positives already. I think that a lot of it depends on the game, too. I mean, we talked about Werewolf, but other games like Spyfall, for example. Spyfall is one of those games where there's talking and there's a social element, but there's not a lot of talking. Right. Because you're only allowed to ask a question and then you, you just give an answer and then you're done. So it's actually frustrating for me sometimes because I want right. to ask follow-ups, but you, you really can't do that. So it's like limited talking, which I think plays into the hands of an introvert. Yeah. If, if you notice, a lot of the people that typically don't like those games like that game yeah. because there, there's, there's a regulation on the gabbing. Like Nathan. And it probably makes them feel comfortable yeah. because he can just say minimal things and, and get by. Nathan asked one of my favorite questions in Spyfall. He asked, why can't I get a proper hot dog here? Do you remember that? <laughs> I do I remember, remember that. Where he's like, why you, can't I get a proper hot dog here? You missed one of the best Spyfall games. Oh, we'll have to talk oh about this my online. God. Noah. Yes. With Noah. Yeah, who's Noah? 
he, he is he's Ian's, Ian's friend. Friends. He brought him with. Oh, nice. He was just a really interesting guy. He was hilarious. It was with, great. It was his spy great. fall questions. Oh my god, you can't even do. And it wasn't like he was deliberately trying to be funny. He's just he's just really quirky. Well, I yeah. think and I think he 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 didn't he didn't quite get that the spy could reveal and guess. Yeah, okay. he was talking. When so, we were on a ship, and he talked about his, dropping the Hope Diamond into the water <laughs> as an answer. It totally gave it away to the spy. <laughs> yeah. And that, we were all laughing about it because it was so obvious yeah, what he yeah. was saying. And he kept doing yeah, that. He kept doing it. And for some reason, the spy was never getting it Oh man! in all the, the different games we were playing. That was hilarious. Anyway. Yeah, but I think maybe another advantage of the introvert, too, is since they're not talking, they're probably listening to the person who's reading the rules. True. And understanding the game. I like introverts. And now, now he understands the rules better than the extroverts. It's true. So extroverts are just all over the place. Yeah. So would you qualify yourself as an introvert or extrovert? You know, when I was younger, I was definitely more Because you're listening to the rules. But I know I'm listening to the rules, but I definitely, I definitely would have to classify myself as an extrovert because I could go to like a house party with my wife, Jess, and know nobody else except her. And she could go disappear with her two girlfriends. That, that's the reason we came. And I would be fine. Yeah, I would find someone to talk to and have a good time. But I would, would you be, be tired okay. afterwards? No, I would not. No, be tired. he's he's. I would, he is, I would, Tim is definitely an extra. Yeah, I would. Yeah. I would enjoy it. I yeah. I love meeting new people and getting to know them and start talking to some people. You'll kind of gravitate and you'll you'll find people that you have common interests with and then you just you know yeah you just start having chats. He, he gets like click for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. meeting yeah. people. I can do that in a crowd, but it's hard. It's like I have to get. It takes me an hour to like get warmed up to the idea of walking up to random people and trying to start a conversation. Yeah, and if I can't find any common ground to discuss, it's really awkward. <laughs> I'll usually find one person that's kind of interesting and just talk to them the whole just latch time. Latch onto them. Yeah, <laughs> it'll it'll be an interesting conversation for them. Yeah, and so they they won't want to leave. Got <laughs> <laughs> it. But I mean, to Tim's point about the rules, or anything, it? to your point about the rules, you being an extrovert, you're one of the best rule picker uppers that we have. Yeah. And I think I'm trying to think of who would be a stereotypical introvert. If you want to use use an example, would you say when you're listening to rules, not told by you, obviously, that you pick it up quickly? Yeah. Okay, so maybe you have a point. But I mean, I as an in, me being an introvert, I don't I don't pick up rules very well. So I don't know. Maybe that's an attention thing. I think so. So if you walk into a room. In a gaming environment, you saw a table full of extroverts and a table full of introverts. doesn't matter what the games are. Let's say it's the same game in both tables. Which table do you go to? I would go to the introverts because the reason might be, might be different than you're thinking, though. The reason I would go to the introverts is it's less threatening because I actually like sitting down in, with a group of quirky, weird people. I find that interesting and fun to, to try to That's talk to them. That's why you're in our group. And figure, yeah, <laughs> figure out like what they're thinking, what's going on with them. And I don't know. I, I would, I'd feel intimidated to go to the group of extroverts, for sure. So yeah, I would definitely go to the introvert table. What would you do, Tim? I guess it just depends on what game they're playing. <laughs> no, same game. same game. Same game. You know, I really don't know. They're playing Battlestar Galactica. Oh my god! I, I gotta go to the extroverts then. They're playing Kalis. I don't know. Well, while you're thinking, yeah. I'll give my answer. I would probably go to the introvert table, and here's why: I want to watch them play if I can for a little bit. If the extroverts are talking so much that they're not taking their turns, that's going to drive me crazy. Yeah. <laughs> if the true. introverts are focused on the game, they're going to be taking their turns. I'm going to sit at that table. If that's not happening, I'm going to go to the extrovert table because that way you can be a little crazy and, and you know and th- plus their talking is entertaining 
so it keeps keeps your attention kind of uh, qualified and uh, there'd be less issues then. So, but it's an interesting dilemma when you think about yeah. it because we have people from both camps in our group. Yeah. And I think in most gaming groups, there's a division there. So speaking of extroverts, what are some, we've mentioned some of them, what are some other negatives you can think of of being an extrovert in relation to gaming? I think it's the, that becomes your alpha gamer sometimes. Yeah. And now he's telling the introverts what to do, especially in like a co-op situation. They're now in charge and leading everything and kind of running everything. Same thing even a game like, uh, not necessarily Spyfall, but you can't, but like a werewolf game or something. They're, they're the guy who's just talking the whole time, leading the whole thing, deciding who's going to get lynched and all that stuff. And it might be hard for anybody else to get a word in edgewise. Yeah, I actually had that on my list too. And we, we talked about the socializing. Extroverts could tend to focus more on the socializing part of the game night rather than the gaming itself. Yeah. Those are kind of just, the, I only had two. Those were the, kind of the two I thought of. Yeah, and extroverts can distract themselves from strategy, as we said, and it ends up being a, a negative for themselves. And what about, what about positives? This is, I guess, another, just thinking of Tim, I think, I think extroverts just in general are more welcoming to others because it's easy for them to just come up and talk to, to people. Well, plus getting along with others is important to an extrovert. Yeah. So they tend to be, there's like a less, less of an annoyance factor. Yeah. There. Like the worst thing in a game group, let's say you were going into a new game group and you walk in and everyone just kind of looks at you and then just goes back to their game because no one... No one is taking initiative to get up and come meet you, see, you know, and I feel like an extroverted person, like Tom Vassell is like a huge extrovert. So he would like come over to you, welcome you in, start talking to you, you know, that's what you want when you come to a game group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. especially if that's your first time and your first experience. Yeah, like Chip, we all know Chip, he's one of our listeners, he's a friend of ours that we meet at, the, at Gen Con every year. He went to a game group one time, they actually corresponded with him beforehand, so they knew he was coming. He showed up. Everyone was in a game already. They just looked at him. No one said a word to him. So he sat down and just waited. And no one ever came up and talked to him. And he eventually just got up and left. Wow. That's that's horrible. That's yeah. And, and it was bad. And I felt bad because I was the one who actually kind of hooked him up with this group because I knew of this group around his area. Wow. And I mean, that's really bad. That's not a good introduction to try to... But if there was in. like a really like outgoing extroverted person, I don't think they could let that happen. I right. don't know. It just seems to me like that wouldn't happen. So they, they make good hosts and they're, they're welcoming to others and they can have like a kind of a contagious enthusiasm too, just kind of getting people excited about uh, the game or the situation, the, the game night itself. Did you guys have anything to add positives? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, they they can kind of keep things going games that are, Maybe more analytical than being outgoing. They might be able to start pushing things along, try to get away from the paralysis analysis that people go through and just kind of like talk them through things, get things going, or at least keep people, you know, entertained while yes, someone's being that was paralyzed. Really yeah, like uh, the metagaming as the game's going on is, is fun. Yeah, I love the metagaming. That's, that's great. Yeah, and that's usually the extroverts that yeah, do that. Yeah. Smack yeah. talk. I love smack, smack talk. talk. Especially when it's a fun game. Like flipping the ship. Flipping the pirate ship. Yeah. It's just kind of like smack talk in action. So here's something that's funny for me just, just as an introvert. Like we all had these game nights, right, on like Wednesday nights. And so that's fun, but it's exhausting for me. So then the next day, you know, I've been away from home for a night. So, you no, know, the family is ready for me to like be around. And I'm actually worn out from my night of... <laughs> 
leisure that I just had because I was like in a group situation the whole night. And so you need to be alone. So I need to be alone after I was just not away, just away, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's weird uh, that, you know, but that's just how it is. You're definitely an introvert. That is a typical introvert. Yeah. Yeah. For me, that's a, that's like a total release, have fun night that, you know, I'm charged for the next day. You get charged. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm good to go. (laughs) Kids are are jumping on me, crawling on my head. I'm all good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, well, I can't avoid the kids crawling on my head. No, that's that's kind of a, you know, at those ages, no, that's done. Any additional thoughts? I think we covered it I all. I think that's a wrap. We said it all. What do you think the percentage is in the gaming culture? 90-10? Introvert nah, to extrovert? No way. 80-20? Yeah. You think that high? It's introvert heavy. I mean, the chip story, I, don't th- I think, is probably, that probably happens more often than it doesn't happen. Are you including CCGers? No. Or just board gamers? No, I'm, I mean, when I came to your place, the same thing happened. Yeah. When I walked in, everybody kind of looked up and then looked down. You were there. Obviously, you were the host, too, and you know me. So, I, And, I'm, of course, I'm not going to leave because <laughs> I drove over an hour to get there. But but it, I think that 80-20 is probably pretty fair. What do you think the ratio is just in general, outside of gaming, just... In the United States, that's a that's a. I, it's probably close to fifty fifty. You I think? Because I feel like in most situations I'm in, it's still majority introverts. I think. I think more that's people probably are, because of our field. So, like I, if you were in sales or something, it would be different. That uh, salespeople are extroverts. Period. End of story. Yeah. I mean, most of them, you, you can't be. So I was in like, for example, like a small group in my church. So that's a mix of people from all different backgrounds. They're all young adults. And we went around the circle. There's like 15 of us and asked everyone if you're an introvert or an extrovert. And every single person. Was this a gaming group? No, this is a no, this is my like a church Bible study group. So, you know, a church is a mix of all different kinds of people. Right. So it's it's not not exactly gaming related. No, it wasn't a game. group. And every single person in the group was an introvert. So that so maybe there's a correlation between being in church and being an introvert. (laughs) Maybe. But, (laughs) But I don't know if that's true either. I think a lot of times some people don't know what they are. Especially at that age. Yeah. Actually, that's a good point because I classified myself as an extrovert until I took the Myers-Briggs test in college. Right. And when I took that test, it was like 60-40 introvert. And that's what clued me into the fact that I was an introvert and when I understood what it was. And then after that, I've taken the test since then, and it's gotten higher now. It's like I understand myself yeah. more, yeah. and I know like the answers to those questions. And now it's more like 80-20 or even 90-10. Yeah, you know, there's a great online test that's completely free and spam-free and everything. It's called 16personalities.com. It, it will measure your introversion, extroversion, in addition to other things, and it's fast. Like You don't have to fill out tons of stuff like the one that I made. And it's very telling when you fill that out, and it does give you the, the percentage. It's not a black and white thing. You probably would come up at least 60, maybe 70% yeah. of an I, and Tim probably the same thing as an E. Yeah. I am close. I'm definitely like some weird crossover, but I'm on the introvert side because I, I need to escape and be alone. So what we discovered when when we did this church experiment is people were classifying themselves as an introvert or a social introvert. And I think social introvert is where where you and I would fit in. Oh, okay. Social introvert meaning you're an introvert, but when you're in a group, you're still social with people. Gotcha. So, I don't know, maybe that's the subset of introverts. Yeah. I don't know. We're not uh, psychiatrists, 
psychiatrists that would figure this out? Yes, probably. Yeah, not psychiatrists figure that out. So, especially if they want to dole out some uh, medication for that problem. Well, to bring some on some yeah. psychiatrists on. <laughs> All right, I think that wraps up episode twenty-five of Out of Game. Good talk. You can find us at outofgamepodcast.com. You can come to our guild, BGG Guild 1990. You can get there from our webpage by clicking on the Board Game Geek Guy. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, or Stitcher at... OG Podcast. You can email us at... Outofgamepodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail at... 40 OOG OOG 80. That's 406-646-6480. All even numbers. Exactly. Even the zeros. We discussed this. For more great podcasts of the Dice Tower Network, go to dicetowernetwork.com and also buy games on coolstuffinc.com. Good night, everyone. Send us an email. Yes, email, questions. Get them out there. Let's get them coming. Yep. Good night. Good night. <laughs> Did I tell you about the picture version that's it's coming out? It's the Apocalypse. Out? The Codenames Pictures is coming out this year. It sounds awesome. At Gen Con? It's all pictures. Oh, goody. Can't <laughs> wait to try it. <laughs> so what is that called? Codenames Pictures. That's what it's called. They, they couldn't come up with something spunkier than that? Top secret that picture game. Seems kind of <laughs> weird. Well, you know, it's a brand. By the way, today is my 10-year anniversary of... Being diagnosed with ADHD. Oh, wow. do you yeah. celebrate that? Hey, have a have a chocolate covered peanut. All right, I'm gonna do that. <laughs> chocolate covered peanut. Oh, can I have one too? Oh yeah, we're eating chocolate covered peanuts now. Just like last podcast. <laughs> yeah, we brought the bag again with us, and it's still fresh. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs>